Well, 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 UFC fans, we're back with a UFC 279 episode on the Big Beat Podcast. Before I bring in my uh, UFC friend, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum's Sports YouTube page. See all my content uploaded a Jaguar video last night, so you can check that out. Also, check out the Big Beat Podcast on Spotify and Apple. So, joining us for uh, UFC 279. From the Action Network and Fantasy Lab, Billy Ward. So, Billy, this feels like a unique pay-per-view with zero, and I mean zero, title fights on Saturday night, right? Yeah, unique is what I would say a pretty generous term for this one. Not only is there not a title fight, we're not really expecting a close main event, you know, it's obviously Nate Diaz or Hamzat Chemaev headlining the card. And I get that the interest in both of those two fighters is high, but Diaz is on his way out the door. Hamzat beating, you know, the 45th ranked welterweight, according to Tapology and Nate Diaz, doesn't really move his stock up at all. So it feels like, you know, kind of a big ask to get us to shell out 75 bucks for this one. But, you know, big Nate Diaz fan, love watching Hamzat. Just wish we had a better matchup for both those guys. I'd love to see Diaz. Diaz fight another veteran on his way out the door. Love to see Hamzat fight, you know, Colby Covington or for the title or someone like that. But we're working with what we got. There's just as many prizes for DFS, just as many betting opportunities as always. So that's where my focus will be. So uh, in the main event, we've got Constant Chemayev against Nate Diaz. And uh, have you seen a line like... This line, because Shemayev is uh, dependent on what site you use, up to a uh, up to a plus eighteen, uh, minus eighteen hundred. Yeah, I mean, and that's about right. I saw a minus nine fifty when I was putting my uh, spreadsheet together yesterday, and it's probably moved even more since then. I really don't see the case on Diaz winning this one. I guess. If you wanted to make that argument, it would be that he can survive the storm from Shemaev, who kind of gassed out in a three-round fight against Gilbert Burns. Or was that five rounds? Let me check that real quick. No, that was a three-round fight. So, you know, if Diaz can survive two, three, four rounds of relentless pressure from Shemaev and then finish him in the fifth, maybe. But even that's hard to say. see. You know, Diaz doesn't have big power for the division. Shemaev isn't going to the mat if he doesn't want it to be there. So Diaz is an excellent jiu-jitsu, probably won't come into play unless Chemayev makes a silly mistake. So, yeah, I mean, the line's about right. From a DFS standpoint, you know, we always talk about in cash games, we play both guys. There's only one five-round fight. I think we probably still do that this time, just because Diaz throws a ton of volume striking-wise, and he might have a better DFS score than actual performance. But I wouldn't hate it just playing Hamzad if you think Diaz just gets destroyed in the first minute or so, which is... a distinct possibility this time you know Chumayev could throw him on the ground beat him up he's going to be 15 20 pounds bigger than Diaz who's not really a legitimately welterweight sized fighter so I don't know it'll be fun to see both those guys get in there but I'm not expecting a lot from Diaz's side yeah how about uh, Chumayev 11 and 0 in the UFC and he can knock you out, he can submit you, or he can go to distance. So I, this guy feels like the, one of the next up-and-coming fighters from Eastern Europe. I feel like, I mean, yeah, with a good performance, if he destroys St. Diaz like I think he will on Saturday night, I'm not sure it helps him, but he feels like he 
Chamayo feels like he should get a title shot, whether it be later this year or early next year. Yeah, it's it's been tough for Hamzat because, you know, he had the fight against Gilbert Burns his last time out, and he beat, you know, the second or third best welterweight in the world or fourth at worst in Burns, and it almost felt like his stock went down a little bit because he didn't put him away early. He kind of faded down the stretch, although he rallied a little bit at the end. So we saw perhaps the only weakness in his game being his cardio, which could be a problem in five-round fights. But then, you know, obviously Leon Edwards upsetting Kamaru Usman, those two are probably going to run it back. So we probably have close to a year before we see Hamzat get to fight for the title at this point. And, you know, we've been calling him the uncrowned champion or the, you know, unofficial champion for a while now, the way he's just rolling through people. And I don't think this fight gets him any closer. I think we have to do Usman Edwards three before any of that. And then, you know, maybe next summer, next fall will be the earliest we can see another title shot for Hamzat. I'd love to see after this one if Covington gets back in action him get through Covington. Because if you beat Gilbert Burns and Colby Covington, really hard to deny a title fight at that point. This feels more like a payday, if you ask me. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. <laughs> As someone who, you know, had to fight to make a living at one point in my life, by all means, get what you can. I do feel bad. You know, Diaz has been very public about wanting out of the promotion and feeding him to probably the scariest guy in the division on his way out the door is not how I'd like to see a, you know, respected veteran who's been with the UFC since, as you pointed out, ultimate fighter five. I don't want to see that kind of treatment. I wish you got kind of the John Cerrone, Jim Miller thing where he gets to fight some other aging dude, has some fun on the way out. But, you know, when you speak out against Uncle Dana, that's kind of what tends to happen. Well, speaking of Nate Diaz, I remember him many, many years ago because he was a big lightweight. Like he was six feet one. 55 and uh one of those two old school gangsters he i i was i remember nate diaz literally submitting everybody on the ultimate fighter and then those great showdowns with uh conor mcgregor yeah and i think the the mcgregor fight is kind of where people are building the case for diaz because he wasn't expected to have a chance in that one but man hamza's a different beast like just the size discrepancy here you know, you brought up him being a big lightweight. I think Diaz is one of those guys who would have really benefited from like the 160 pound division they have over in Eagle. Cause I think it was hard for him to make lightweight, but he's certainly not a true welterweight size wise. He's just, you know, pretty slender, small frame. And Hamzat's fought at middleweight and looked reasonably sized at 185. So Diaz is going to be giving up a lot of size in this one to a massive welterweight and Hamzat, which just is one more case against him and not something he had to deal with with McGregor, who was a featherweight. I mean, if I think Diaz's only hope of winning this fight is maybe hope Chamayo just takes him lightly and maybe he can submit him because we know what kind of jujitsu <coughs> and winning skills Diaz possesses. But is Diaz, but I feel like this is Diaz's last fight in the UFC, and I think we're going to see the pass on the torch from. One great for one great veteran to uh, to potentially the future or one of the futures at 170 pounds. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you know the the saying for a while has been that Diaz brothers don't lose fights; they just run out of time. Because we even saw against Leon Edwards, Diaz won the fifth round, almost knocked Leon Edwards out after getting dominated the whole time. That's probably his best hope here is, you know, Hamzat gets tired, kind of takes a bad shot, leaves his knockout there. 
But I think Hamza probably puts him away before that. So again, you know, if you're, I'm not betting this one. I'm just not going to lay that kind of money on Hamza. If you feel the need, I'd bet him, you know, and bet him in under two and a half rounds or him to finish inside the distance. And then from a DFS standpoint, Hamza puts up big scores, probably will again. I don't mind Diaz from a cash game standpoint, just because he should have a solid floor with how much volume he throws, as long as he can last more than a round or two. Agree. So uh, now we head from the main event to a co-main event of two more welterweights, so Lee Jin Lang and Tony Ferguson. So uh, what do you expect in that fight? Because this feels, I mean, this doesn't feel like a co-main event of a pay-per-view. This feels like one you can have on ESPN or ABC, if you ask me. I mean, I, I get it from a name recognition or, like, ranking standpoint. 100% agree with you. Could be an incredibly fun fight. I mean, Ferguson does nothing but make fights awesome up until, as of late, he inevitably gets knocked out. And I really don't like him stepping up to 170. I know he said he's had a hard time making 155. But Leach is a big, powerful welterweight who, you know, usually either gets submitted or loses fights on the ground or knocks guys out pretty violently. Against a guy like Ferguson, who's been knocked out pretty violently and it's on a four-fight losing streak, I think it's a horrible matchup for him, but I do think Ferguson will make it a fun fight for however long it lasts. So from a matchmaking standpoint, I don't hate it. Ferguson, another guy I wish they uh, gave a little bit better of a matchup for as he's riding a four-fight losing streak. But again, this is another one. You know, Leach by knockout, depending on what those odds turn out to be. And then Leach will be a tremendous DFS play, both cash games and tournaments. Throws a ton of volume. Huge knockdown rate, mixes and takedowns here and there. Should be significantly bigger and stronger against a 38-year-old guy who's been knocked out a few times recently. That's pretty much everything you can ask for from a DFS fighter. I've got a question. Why didn't why didn't the USC just have Tony Ferguson against Nate Diaz? That makes more sense. It would. And, the, you know, those are the kind of matchups I wish we saw for some of these older guys if they insist on still doing it. But, you know. Because I think they were a little bit angry at Diaz for all the stuff he'd been saying about wanting out, and they punished him by giving him Hamza. Ferguson, I don't know what's going on. You know, it was only three months ago that he ate that vicious knockout from Michael Chandler. Pretty quick turnaround for a knockout that bad, which I don't really like. So, you know, leech by knockout, leech in the first round, leech for DFS. All great options this week in terms of getting some money down on that. Maybe not the first round, but <laughs> under one and a half and leech by knockout, something to that effect. First round might be asking a lot because Ferguson might make it interesting for a minute or two. Yeah, until yeah, until uh, there are leashes flying around T-Mobile Arena on Saturday night, perhaps. So besides the main and the co-main events, uh, which fight are you looking forward to seeing? Um, I don't know how much looking forward to, but you know, have some. DFS interest in Ian Kutalaba versus Johnny Walker. Um, probably the, you know, and these lines aren't out because it's Tuesday when we're recording this, but probably the likeliest fight to end early or end in the first round. Both guys are knockout artists, both hit real hard. I'm definitely seeing Kutalaba as the deserving favorite here. He's, you know, 28. Mixed results in his last few fights where Johnny Walker is one in four in his last five with two of those knockouts. I think Kudalaba is another great DFS play, more from a tournament standpoint. This will probably be the one that will be the, the swing fight in my DFS article just because we are so likely to see violence. I also like Hakeem Dawood versus uh, Julian Arosa. 
he's more of a cash game guy for me from a DFS standpoint, but Duudo is just super active. Inirosa is kind of hittable and allows a lot of scoring against him, so that's a good one. There's actually some fun fights up and down this card. It's just the name recognition or, you know, like how important it is for the rankings and standings is a little bit lacking. Yeah, because I, I'm trying to figure out if I know any of these fighters and I barely know any. I barely know any of them. Honestly, uh, the opening matchup between Johan Leonese and Darian Weeks is should be a banger too. Another welterweight bout. Leonese looked awesome on the contender series. Won a knockout, showed a lot of skills in a lot of areas. Then he got knocked out by Gabe Green in his debut, but there's no shame in that. Green's been on a tear lately. Darren Weeks, 0-2 in the UFC, lost to Brian Barberina in his debut, and then Ian Gary in his last one. You know, not a huge shame in that, but not super high-ranked guys. And Leonacy is the underdog. He's the cheaper fighter on DraftKings. I think he's another excellent play. I think he's a lot better than he looked in his debut, and Gabe Green's just a super tricky matchup. So that's another one I'm looking at. Definitely going to be betting on Leonese at plus money, as well as forcing him into a lot of DFS lineups. Leonese probably more of a tournament play, I'm guessing. Yeah, I, I could see him working into cash lineups just given his salary because he is the underdog. So I think he's like 7,900 or something like that, but probably safer in tournaments. But there's not, you're going to have a hard time finding six fighters that you feel like are safe that fit under the salary cap. So we're going to have to take some risks here and there somewhere. Yeah, depending on, like, uh, the FanDuel one, I think Weeks is minus 146, Lane AC plus 114. Yeah, that's the best line on Lane AC. I, I see Weeks is good as minus 125 with Lane AC 105 on the comeback. So it's not a huge discount, but, we, I mean, outside of Diaz, we got to find somebody cheap to put in our lineups. We can't play all heavy favorites. That's just not how it works so do i feel super comfortable about it no but you know if it were easy we'd all be millionaires doing it millionaires after this weekend right (laughs) right but uh other fight i did want to mention danielle wolf champion boxer making her second professional mma fight her first came on the contender series 39, which I don't love, you know, getting into a new sport in your late 30s she's fighting norma dumont who in her last five fights Dumont has two losses that came to Mason Chiasan and Megan Anderson, both on the feet. She has three wins in there. But if you look through the people that she's fought, Dumont has her all of her wins. The fighter is within one inch of her in reach. Both of her losses, she's giving up a few inches to her opponent. You know, Dumont's taller with a longer reach, really likes fighting on the outside. Daniel Wolf is 5'11 with a three inch reach advantage. I think Daniel Wolf, despite being a pretty heavy underdog, is another fairly strong DFS option who's going to be super cheap. Dumont's three wins are all decisions, so we'll probably get 15 minutes out of Wolf. Being a former boxer, we'll probably see a high volume of striking too. And I like her upside to win and win, especially via knockout. So she's another one that I'm interested to at super cheap salary. <clears throat> and I actually already have a bet in on her, expecting that the line gets a little bit closer as we go throughout the week. It's is uh is Wolf the uh, ch- cheap female fighter we won in catchings because we know how that wolf last week with a cheap female fighter. Well, in my defense, Perez still put up like twenty two points or something, which wasn't bad for the second cheapest fighter on the slate. Um, I don't necessarily want to say that. You know, all the female fights this week are at heavier weight classes. <laughs> in the other than Elise Reed versus. Melissa Martinez. So I'll probably target Mar- 
Martinez maybe in that one as a slight favorite or Reed as an underdog if we want, need the salary. Just because those heavier female weight classes, the stoppage rates tend to be a little bit higher, closer to the men of the same size. So targeting those 145-pound women's fights isn't as much of a lock to go to a decision, whereas the 115-pound fight between Reed and Martinez is likelier. But you have to pay up for Martinez, which is the side I want to be on. So depends. I guess it depends on your salary needs and how you're building around that because the other women's fight is Aldana versus Chie San, both former 145ers, I think, but this one's at 135. But they both have stoppage ability. They both have knockout or knockdown rates that rival their male competitors. So that one's certainly not safe to last 15 minutes. It's a unique pay-per-view with only one fight, with no title fights and only one five-round fight. It's going to be weird of, like, setting up finals because I would have to say Chimaimov is going to be the highest-owned guy in catch and tournaments, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and there's not a ton of expensive fighters, I think, that people are going to be super excited to play. Some of the heavy favorites just don't feel all that good. You know, and especially when, like, one of the heavier favorites is Norma Dumont at minus 350 or so fighting a champion boxer. And Dumont doesn't have, you know, great stats in terms of fantasy scoring, so not too many people going to want to play her. So I think it's Chemaev and then probably uh, Li Jingliang are going to be popular. Uh, Jolton Almeida, too, because he's looked like an absolute wrecking ball. But I'm a little bit worried about him fighting an undefeated Swedish prospect. Yeah, so it's going to be an interest. So a little, a little appetizer for the NFL slate this Sunday. So thanks for hopping on, Billy. We wish you, we wish uh, the DFS and your bets well this weekend. Hopefully, we make a profitable uh, weekend in Vegas. Yep, and be sure to uh, check out later in the week. I'll have the full DFS breakdown up at Fantasy Labs some prize pick stuff at Action Network, especially for, you know, people like Dylan who aren't in legal betting states. That's a good way to get some action in if you have some strong takes. So even with the start of NFL, the MMA content grind will not stop. ton of good stuff coming out. You have to throw that thing about Florida not having legal betting when Kansas just had, just put in legal betting. Hey, I'm just trying to get this prize picks things off the ground. I'm doing full uh, significant strike projections for every fighter on the slate. I think it's a really sharp way. I think those lines are a little bit softer than some of the betting markets. So, you know, you can have a lot of fun on there. The parlay option makes it a little bit more game theory than making a straight bet. But definitely fun. Definitely love what they're doing over at prize picks. Yeah, especially especially if you because you could like put four or five parlays together. And make and turn five bucks into a hundred, or like that one NASCAR guy did a week and a half ago when he turned 13 into like 900 something grand. Yeah, using my coworker Nick Giffen, aka the Roto Docs uh, NASCAR projections. That guy is the sharpest NASCAR better prognosticator, whatever you want to call him, I have ever met or hope to meet in my life. So if you're into the NASCAR stuff, be sure to check out Roto Doc and all his content at Action Network. I need him to figure out when the next big one's going to happen because the Sunday Southern 500 looked like a looked like a what else is going to happen race. Yeah, I got nothing. Not an NASCAR guy myself. We got people way smarter than on that. 